Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by David Somerville. Dave, how are you doing? Hola. Well, great to be back. Can't wait to get started. It's going to be a great show. It is indeed. We're also joined this week by a very special guest, all the way from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Bears fan, of course, Mr. Brian McGrath. Brian, how are you doing? Fantastic, Ian. Thank you for having me here today. I'm excited. Excited to chat about the Bears and the division. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're just delighted to have you here. It's always great when we get an insight from a a native of one of the, the cities of the teams that we're talking about. Because, I mean, we're, you know, we're just a few guys in Scotland talking about the NFL from our perspective. But for someone who actually lives there and, you know, sees the teams and knows what's going on much more than we do, because you get, the, obviously, the, the local press and television as well that we don't get to see. All we get is NFL Network, nothing else. Um, so it's it's much better to sort of get that extra insight. Um, so you are a Bears fan. Um, have you always been a fan of the NFL? You know, growing up, were you a fan, or is, is it something that you sort of came to later on in life? I grew up with it, uh, and you know, I was born in the sort of early mid '80s. So I, you know, early I was born '83, so kind of came up with some really good Bears teams there in the late '80s, mid '80s, of course. And uh, yeah, it's hard not to be in Chicago. You know, we only have got the one football team, and it's uh, rain or shine. We love them. We like to complain about them a lot, but, uh, you know, come this time of year, it's it's starting to, you know, juice is start flowing again, um, you know, get enough distance from the previous season. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a funny thing. You, you guys will probably be much more fact-based and unbiased, but I promise to be incredibly biased. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. <laughs> we say we're unbiased, but we are the most biased people. <laughs> Absolutely, we, we really are. It, if you've listened at all to the podcast, you know that Dave despises the 49ers, don't you, Dave? Being a Rams fan, me being a Broncos Six. fan, I, yeah. I hate half of the league. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I love, you know, it's, it's true, we've mentioned well, it before. I'm, yeah, I hate I'm, the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Patriots, of course, and now the Buccaneers, and I hate the Seahawks more than anyone. Yeah. And just, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So well, we we're I'm very in good company. But yeah, <laughs> we're very biased here on the NFL show. So um, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to do the news uh, with Dave. And of course, we do have our NFC North deep dive. We'll cover every one of the teams. Uh, and don't worry, Brian, you will get to talk about your beers extensively, I promise you. Um, so before we do that, we'll turn it over to Dave Somerville for the news. What's been happening around the NFL this week? A lot of players signing contracts, not signing contracts, being waived, being cut. What else has been going on? What hasn't been going on, I think, would be the more accurate and shorter time thing to say because, I mean, it just in the last day, uh, you know, we've heard that Leonard Fournette is working out with the, pa- the Patriots, which, uh, I mean, I, I, I looking at Fournette last season, he really wasn't overwhelming in any way, shape, or form. Though he was poor, didn't have any kind of turn of pace. Um, but you know, the, the Patriots are just doing Patriot things basically around the league. So for, don't be surprised if you see Fournette turn out as kind of number two running back, probably behind Stevenson. Um, but another thing as well was that um, the Jets are looking to either trade or release Denzel Mims. 
because they've got a lot of wide receivers now, uh, as I think we've covered quite a lot, because they've had to pander to the needs of the special one. Um, so, yes, <laughs> Denzel Mims is uh, going to end up leaving the Jets, and hopefully he'll find a new home. Uh, one of the big uh, contract extensions, though, uh, Alex Highsmith, uh, linebacker for the Steelers, he signed a four-year extension worth $68 million, Ooh. which puts him very high up the, the linebacker tree of earnings. Um, but, of course, that one was completely eclipsed by Quinn Williams signing a four-year $96 million deal with the Jets. So, yeah, a lot of money getting thrown about. Um, but like, like you said, though, there's been a lot of chat about players who haven't signed. And this goes back to a debate we've been having for weeks about what to do about the running back market because it is just... What's a nice word to say? It. We've got a Gaelic word here. That's a buroch, which means basically. I, I like to it, tell people it's like it, a, it, yeah. So I, I, a colossal so, mess. Yeah. Is so a good to, way to, to put it into perspective, Brian, a buroch, as we call it here, is like a. It, it's like a big, huge ball of garbage all mixed up into. <laughs> yeah, it's just the biggest mess you can think of is a buroch, and that's a, a good. Yeah. Good Scottish word for it. Uh, that's a, that's um, a good Gaelic word. You, you talk of it uh, very, very quickly, going back to Denzel mm. Mims. I, I did see this on Twitter, and the, the Jets are saying, we're going to trade him, but if we can't trade him, we're going to cut him. So why would makes anyone no trade sense. for him? Nope. No I, sense whatsoever. It literally makes no sense. Brian, if, if the Jets came to the Bears and said, oh, we'll trade you Denzel Mims for a sixth-round draft pick, and you're going, well, I've already heard that if you don't, you're going to cut him. We could get him for nothing. Yeah. It, uh, you, don't, you don't negotiate with yourself. You know, you're cutting no. his value. It's, uh, you know. That's insanity. What are they thinking over there in New York? Oh, clearly, I, you know, he who shall not be named, his influence is rubbing off on a lot of people over at the Jets facility. Um, it's, it's just, I, I don't know what's going on there. I did also see a thing that, that obviously we know the Jets are hard knocks. Mm -hmm. Robert Sala has said he doesn't want them showing any players getting cut. And I thought, well, the program's literally called hard knocks. It's about the difficulties of players in training camp. Why would you not show that? But apparently he doesn't want to. So, um, defeats the entire point of the, of the program. And I thought, you know, what are you, what are you trying to hide from? Because surely if you're watching it and you've been watching it for five, six weeks, and then all of a sudden one of the guys you've been watching isn't there anymore, then you know he's been cut. So I don't know why that they would do that. But anyway, I digress. I do apologize. Slight tangent there. Uh, the running back, the running back mm -hmm. situation. So I don't know if you've heard the Josh Jacobs story that he was sitting in a car at an airport waiting to hear word about his contract and no contract was forthcoming. Um, they're trying to franchise tag him. He hasn't signed the franchise tag. And Saquon Barkley, it appears, over at the New York Football Giants is contemplating sitting out this season because uh, contract negotiations have completely collapsed there. I mean, that's... I, I, I don't know what they're doing at the Giants, 
they, they pay Daniel Jones, pay Saquon Barkley. He's getting like like less than a quarter of what Daniel Jones is getting. And I understand the quarterback, most important position, but not at the Giants. I think Barkley's way more important to that team than Daniel Jones is. Um, Brian, we'll get your viewpoint on this. This whole running back fiasco that's going on, it all seemed to start um, what, probably a couple of months ago now with um, Austin Eckler, I think, over in, in oh, I was going to say San Diego, over in Los Angeles with the Chargers, where he asked for a contract and they basically refused to pay him. And then Josh Jacobs asked for one, then Saquon Barkley, and they've been refusing to pay the running backs. Brian, what's your view on this just fiasco with the running backs just now in the NFL? I certainly like your word for describing it. Uh, and I re- refresh my memory. What's the Scottish word again for this colossal mess? Burach. Burach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if there's just a diminishing value placed on running backs kind of in the current NFL. Um, but when you need one, you sure as heck need one. And uh, at some point, this is going to have to get untangled. I don't know what the first domino to drop is going to be. It's going to be interesting, but we're kind of running out of daylight here. Um, you know, and we're in camp already and coming up to the season, preseason. I'm not sure what's going to happen first or what the first, uh, you know, domino to drop is going to be. What do you guys think? I'm not sure where to start. I know we lost our running back here to um, Detroit. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what, how it's going to all play out. I, I if you think, were to put your money on it, yeah. I think it's, I, I don't think it's as bad for a team like the Bears. To lose a running back. Um, just like the way the, the Lions treated uh, DeAndre Swift. I, I don't think it affects them that much. But the Giants, well, if Saquon sits out this season, uh, they could be a three-win team. I, I think he's that important to the franchise. And the fact that they would offer him, so they're offering him the franchise tag. They're saying, you know, we're going to franchise tag you means we don't want you going anywhere. We're going to pay you an absolute ton of money for one year. He's saying, I, I want long-term. I want five-year contractors, whatever it is, three-year, ten-year, I don't care. And they're refusing to pay him. But they're paying other players who are nowhere near in the, you know, galaxy. The ballpark. Of, uh, yeah. yeah, of where where Saquon Barkley is. You're talking about one of the guys who's the absolute, one of the best players in the NFL. So look at Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook's a four-time pro bowler in a row, and he gets cut. Mm. And no one has picked him up. Well, I, I can actually add to this because um, I was reading online today that Joe Mixon of the Bengals has taken a, a pay cut to stay at the Bengals. That uh, that averages about four million dollars a year on his current contract. That's the state of affairs with the running back market. And I, I, I mean, I, I said it to you earlier, uh, Neosa, that the highest paid running back this year is going to be uh, Robinson, Bijou Robinson, who is who has not played a snap in the league because he was picked in the first round by the Falcons. He is going. He is going to be. The 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 highest earner in the league this year at running back, um, he, and it's it's not even close. It's 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 not even like by a million. I think I'm, I think it's like one and a half to two million ahead of Derrick Henry. That's but, <laughs> insanity. 
I mean, come on, you've got these guys like Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook and that. If you're going to pay anyone, these are the guys you should be paying. Now, I did see on Twitter that someone blamed Isaiah Pacheco for this over in Kansas City because he earned 400000 last year and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Two points to that. First of all, it's not Pacheco's fault. He was a seventh-round draft pick. He got paid like one. So stop with the comparisons. Secondly, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. They've got Travis Kelsey. It doesn't matter who they've got a receiver. We all know this. They've got a good defense. It's not... Pacheco didn't win the Super Bowl for the... Everyone's talking like he did. Oh, he's a seventh-round draft pick and he won the Super Bowl for the... No, he played well as well as could be expected for a seventh rounder. But you're looking, and again, I, I hate to sound like I'm flogging a dead horse here, but the New York Giants don't have Patrick Mahomes. They don't have Travis Kelsey. I, got- I, I would, I saw, sorry, I was just going to, what I was going to say was, I, I think that there's two types of uh, run games in the league. So I think you've got the one with the star player. So that's the Saquon Barkley, the Josh Jacobs, the Derek Henrys. And then you have the solid run units. So that would be like the Bears, the Lions. They have two or three similarly skilled sets of running backs that can all do a good job and they all get paid kind of similar amounts of money. Whereas if you've got one star player and you you know and basically your run game relies on them. I I, I go as far as to say that with, with the Giants, Titans, um, the Raiders. Their run game relies on these star guys that are the best at what they do. Whereas I think you know, um, I think the Lions, especially because they had two or three running backs come in and they all did a good job. That's so true. that's their kind of system. And then you know, they, it's I think maybe maybe some of them are because of that system that you've got a, a running back unit instead of a running back. I think that that might have aided in the drop down of the salaries because it is like like we've said before quite how often do we say next man up with the running back it's just constantly but, next man up but the, the team that does that better than anyone is at the moment and the team you love to hate it's the 49ers because they're running the Shanahan running scheme that we all talk about we know and love and what did they do they went out and ransomed the entire stadium for Christian McCaffrey Mm-hmm. because they know the value of a good running back. I mean, you, you mentioned the Bears again. Brian, I'll put it back to you. Obviously, Justin Fields. You know, I mean, that guy can run. My goodness, the, you know, as a quarterback. But the, the running game was working last year for the Bears. Really, really. In fact, did they not have like a stretch of, I think it was four or five games, went over 200 yards rushing like in, in yeah, a row. I, I, um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they were the I believe they were the top rushing offense in the league last year, weren't they? Between uh, I mean, if, I mean, Field certainly ran a lot as well. I, I um, think the, I think they were. I think like in, in that final week, I think Atlanta overtook them, like in the last week okay. of the season or so. But yeah, they were certainly mid season. They were running more than anybody else, more yards, and as you see, Justin Fields himself went over a thousand yards. Um, and but you. That's not making up for deficiencies. That's a good running game. As I say, you know, I already mentioned San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan's looking at his quarterback going, we've got no chance. We need a running game. The Giants should be thinking the same thing. 
I wonder how much of this is your superstar quarterbacks and wide receivers. Because you look at Minnesota, they did get rid of Dalvin Cook. They also got rid of Adam Thielen. They are betting everything on Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Everything on those guys. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, we, we opened up a can of worms here again. <laughs> I, I understand the, the lack of logic just because you know, even if you have a solid passing game, uh, you know, if you have the money to spend on a good running back, you're only taking a little bit of pressure off the passing game. If anything, you're just opening up options. Um, so, yeah, it's a head scratcher. I would be curious to see how it all works out over the next you know few weeks or so. Well, we'll know soon because um, we've got, what, three weeks to preseason? Is that right? Is it two weeks? No. I think the rookies have started. Some of the rookies have started already. Training camp's um, already going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the kickoff, so we've got uh, three weeks, preseasons in three weeks. Wow. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Quite Can't fast. wait for that. Uh-huh. It is. Uh, now, we do need to move on. We can't talk about running backs all the time. Dave, did anything else happen in the news around the NFL? Well, just to round it off, uh, Tony Pollard officially signed the franchise tag. So we'll finish it off there. But uh, yeah, so the franchise tag for the running backs this year is about $10 million. So uh, that that's what's basically been offered um, to Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. But um, someone else that was on going to sign the franchise tag but has now been given a three-year deal is Evan Ingram of the Jaguars, the tight ends there, who has signed a three-year deal worth forty-one and a quarter million dollars for a tight end is quite a contract so, and twenty-four million guaranteed. So Evan Ingram's contract will mean that he's getting paid more than any running back on a franchise tag. Uh, more than double. Yes. That's. <laughs> I'm so I like Evan Ingram. He's a great player. But when Travis Etienne comes up for his or ETN as they call him, comes up for his contract in what three years time? Two years? Uh, two years like after that. this? Two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll bet he'll want to get paid, and he might not. The way things are going, no. I actually, I actually think he will. I think the Jaguars are not stupid. Uh, Trevor Lawrence likes Travis Etienne. Uh, no, don't don't look at me like that, Dave. They're not. They were. <laughs> The Jaguars were, were stupid, stupid yeah. with, you know, the whole <laughs> Urban Meyer field experiment. Every, but I think they've learned a yeah. lot from that. Um, a look at the improvement from, from one year to the next. Yeah, so true. there we go. Um, I don't think it was anything else on the news. So what we will do, gentlemen. Oh, hang on, Dave. What are you going to say? We have one uh, one that we've completely missed. So a, quick, a question for you both. Where do wide receivers go to die? <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> I would have said the Bears <laughs> up until recently. Well, uh, get paid or die trying. That will be Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. And the- they have a new addition yeah, to the wide receiver forgot room. about that. Uh, in DeAndre Hopkins. Because he assigned a two-year, $26 million guaranteed contract with another $6 million in incentives based on yardage, basically. Um, so that is... One of the weirdest combinations I've seen in this offseason. So, yeah, it's I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of lost for words considering the caliber of wide receiver uh, that he is has gone to probably one of the heaviest run first teams in the entire league and yeah. with a, a dodgy record of wide receivers, let's be honest. And not the best quarterback play either. Ryan Tannehill 
uh, over there. It's really smacks of the Julio Jones going when he went to Tennessee, and we saw how that worked. That was terrible. Why? Why would he go to Tennessee? He could have gone anywhere. I mean, he, you're not telling me that DeAndre Hopkins tried out for, I don't know, the the Rams, and you know they they didn't think he was good enough. You're not telling me that he didn't go to because he did. We knew he, he went to New England, didn't he? He tried mm-hmm. out for the Patriots. I don't believe the Patriots thought you're not good enough. You're not going to improve our wide receiver room. Do you think it's all money? I I hope it's not, but I think it is. I think I, I think it is probably money. I mean, it, um, I I want to think that there's more to John Lee Hopkins than just money in this decision. But you know, as as much as we despise the Patriots on this show, um, we we've still got a lot of respect for the achievements uh, that they've all achieved, except from Tom Brady's achievements, yep, which good. yeah, except except from him. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know why DeAndre Hopkins has gone to Tennessee. It's, got, it's it's a mystery. That's the worst. That was literally the yeah. worst position. Brian, look at your viewpoint on, he, on, yeah. on DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I, I just assume he's a lover of country music. Just wanted to be close to the Nashville scene. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you wanted to see Graceland. Another. <laughs> I, what, what other reason? We we covered the, the Titans when we did our um, AFC South Deep Dive just a few weeks ago, and when we spoke about the Titans, everyone was in agreement. They're the most boring team in the entire NFL. They've got the most boring quarterback play. Um, it really is. If Derrick Henry is, isn't going, then the team's not going. That's basically it. I don't think they know how to use wide receivers. And you pay quite a bit of money for a very, well... I still think, I think you're right, I still think DeAndre Hopkins is a great player. He had a down season last year, no doubt about it. But we don't know how much of that was on the coaching, on on the quarterback play. We're not sure. I think still think he's a dynamite player, but I think he's going to waste himself. Two years in Tennessee, that's, that's a shame. But yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with both of you anymore. But um, yeah, just to, uh, the, the only things that I uh, really have as well is that uh, Netflix have got their new uh, quarterback series uh, has been released. I haven't watched it yet because I'm away for a little weekend holiday. So I'm saving it for that for when uh, there's doing anything, basically. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, pretty much. Um, that That's going to be my weekend sorted. Um, and the only other thing is that there is a campaign to get Philip Rivers into the Hall of Fame, uh, which is an interesting one. I think one that will divide a lot of op- a lot of opinions uh, around the league because you know you don't uh, in, in this day and age anyway. In, in with with the players that are just retiring, if they don't have a ring, they're not really thought of as you know direct entrance into the Hall of Fame. And as we know, Philip Rivers does not have a ring. That's a very good point. Um, we spoke about the Hall of Fame last week, on last week's podcast. I mentioned Lynn Swan is in, and he shouldn't be. Um, we mentioned that Dick Vermeil is in the Hall of Fame, which I don't have a problem with, but Mike Shanahan isn't. And and you just think, you know, what what's going on here? Um, Philip Rivers... I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with Philip Rivers getting into the Hall of Fame. 
but it does sort of then open the door for other players who says, well, hang on. I was told I wasn't in because I didn't have a ring. He's in. But then you have the whole Philip Rivers, Eli Manning thing. Because we all know that when Eli Manning retires, his name's Manning, and he beat Tom Brady twice in Super Bowls, he's probably going to go in. But Philip Rivers, I think most people would say, is a better quarterback than Eli Manning was. But he didn't win anything. He didn't even make a Super Bowl. Brian, let's get your thoughts. Philip Rivers, Hall of Fame, I, yes or no? I'd, I'd lean yes. And uh, to go off your last point, uh, you know, on paper, I think it's Rivers over Manning. Manning just has the rings. Um, yeah. I just I was thinking of there when you mentioned it um, uh, in Chicago, Steve McMichael from the 85 Bears was on the ballot for, um, I think it was just announced a week ago or so. He's another one that I think probably you can make a strong case he should already be in the hall. Um, there was some stat I pulled up that was um, when he retired, he had the most uh, sacks of any defensive tackle, and he currently is like sitting eight on that list, and the four of them are all Hall of Famers, and a few after are Hall of Famers. And uh, um, I, I, he's dealing with uh, – he has ALS, and you know that's a part of, I think, why he's had some um, you know focus on him lately about – possibly getting into the hall, but I think his stats merit it on their own. And uh, there's that bigger argument of um, what else goes into some of these decisions in terms of, uh, yeah, there's the what's on paper, what the facts are, and then there's the feel of it and how people feel about that person or maybe these other things that add into yeah. why they might be more popular. It's 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 a little icky. Um, I suppose that's the way a lot of things are. But uh, yeah, so to long-winded answer, uh, yes, I would say Philip Rivers ultimately deserves to be in there. Uh, Dave, I liked Philip Rivers as a player. Yeah, I I didn't because he was so good, uh, and he played for the Chargers, and that's oh, oh, he yeah. just annoyed me. But I mean, you can't. I mean, the guy was a great quarterback. He really was. Uh, Dave, Philip Rivers, yes or no to the Hall of Fame? Because of the caliber of quarterback. In today's day and age, I'm edging, and I mean like you're kind of 49% to 51 here. I'm edging towards no. And I I I I always thought Philip Rivers as a good quarterback and kind of top five to eight year on year, but never the top any year. And obviously there's players that were you know, incredible. Some of the best ever to play the game were always playing at the same time as Philip Rivers. So, I mean, he, any other kind of age, Philip Rivers would be the top quarterback. I, I, I think that you know, even if he's in kind of the seventies and eighties, he would be right up where there with the greats. However, he was always involved in the league when there were quarterbacks that I always thought were slightly better than him. So that's why yeah, I'm edging but- towards no. So you're sort of discounting him because of his peers. If you, I mean, if you're comparing people uh, that are going to get into the Hall of Fame, is he as good as they were or, or as they are kind of thing at the time when he was playing? I did think so. It's, so, it's, it's, well, an, it's an interesting argument because, you know, the, the reality, as, you, you know, as you've said, uh, there's a lot of other players that he was playing with, uh, well, playing against, who were better than him, given mm-hmm. the era that he's playing in. 
But you could you could say that about literally every single quarterback. There's very few quarterbacks when you think who is the absolute top because most of the guys who have been at the top played for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. it's not all, you know, in, in, in the, so you obviously Peyton Manning from 98 right through to 2015. So you could argue nobody else was the best quarterback in the league through that entire time. Of course, there were, you know, Drew, Drew Brees was incredible for seasons and Aaron Rodgers had his seasons. Apologies for mentioning him. Uh, and and you know, guys like who had like one season or two seasons and they were right up there. And of course himself, who played for New England all the time. They had great years, but Philip Rivers was always very, very consistent. But the, the point then becomes, does Eli Manning get in? Because at no point in his career, at no point would you ever say, he was top five in the league because he wasn't, but he'll yeah. probably get in. Also, plays for the mm-hmm. New York Giants, and there's uh, bias. We all know about well, it. So we said before the show, though, that it's it's a committee that decides uh, about the Hall of Fame. I so, believe so. Yeah. So if it is a committee, then you you know unless you're getting a huge kind of. Um, sample size of people who are going to vote on these things. If you've got a small committee, then it only takes a, a couple biased people to to swing it and decide on the outcome. So yeah, um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't I mean, know how many's in the committee. I've got no idea, absolutely none whatsoever. I mean, it's not it's not enough to class as a good sample size, though. But there, I mean, there, there's guys who who played. You know, as as Brian said, there, there's guys who played back in the seventies and eighties who should have been in Canton twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. And and they're not. I mean, I mean, I I always go back to Randy Gradishar for the Broncos. I mean, that guy averaged two hundred tackles a year for a decade. He was Defensive Player of the Year in, in seventy, I forget seventy seven or whatever it was. Uh, you know, just one of the best players. Never, yeah, like I think he made the shortlist once. And you think, what's going on here? Uh, and and you get so many of these players and coaches who who just never get a sniff at the Hall of Fame, and then you see some of the names in, and you go, "Really? That's who you've that's who you've gone for this year? How long did it take for for them? Your your own Rams wide receiver, what's his name? Good grief, forgotten guy got in last Tory year. Holt. Tory Holt. He should have gone in first time round. Bang. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, he, you, yeah, there you, was a you, guy. You're not going to hear anything alternative well, from me. <laughs> you, yeah, because with your own argument, there's a guy who was arguably, when he was playing, the best person at his position in the entire league. Or mm. rather, definitely top two, you know. You could argue possibly with guys like um, Marvin Harrison or someone like that. He was yeah. the, the absolute pinnacle. And he should have gone in straight away, and he didn't. It took time to get in. A guy's like T.O., it took time to get in. You're thinking... What's going on? Anyway, we're way, way past talking what we should have been talking about. So I have to apologize. Folk could be listening to this going, are they ever going to talk about the NFC North? Yes, we are. So before we do our NFC North deep dive, uh, Mr. Brian McGrath is here, as I say, a guest here on the WinFL show. Uh, you are a musician, Brian. Uh, now, you've been playing for quite some time. I think I first came across your music about... I'm going to say about eight years ago, might be around that, uh, seven or eight years ago, um, and absolutely loved it from day one. Um, now, you've got a new album coming out later this year. Um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about that? 
Sure. Uh, if I recall correctly, Ian, I think it was on SoundCloud. Uh, we both were posting tracks, and I it think was. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know if SoundCloud is still. Is it still a thing? Do we? Do people still? I don't use it nearly so much. I, anymore, I think it still exists. Yeah, I th- I, I'm. Uh, I'm ninety nine percent sure it still exists. So I think the only difference between kind of Spotify and Apple is that they charge more for SoundCloud. So I think that's maybe led to their kind of ranking in the um in the kind of favorite uh downloads pretty much plummeting so it, it's still it's still going yeah just yeah but so, yeah, you I, guys are both on spotify and apple so <laughs> you don't need to worry about soundcloud anymore <laughs> don't worry my, my soundcloud page is up somewhere along with my myspace page just drifting out in the ether <laughs> uh, okay. i'm long-winded i'll get to the point uh, i'm a, a folk and americana musician here in chicago i uh, do Primarily original music. I have three full-length albums out, a fourth coming out a little bit later in the fall. Um, yeah, just perform all over Chicago, Midwest. Uh, just started doing some shows uh, in the East Coast recently. And uh, yeah, it's a long, you know, as any musician or artist, it's a long road and a, 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 it's a grind, but uh, I love it. And um, yeah, I've been I've met wonderful people like yourself, Ian, and, and it's just... Uh, you know, it's been uh, it's a crazy time in music just to be able to connect so easily with people everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. Um, I, you, you know, you heard me. You said, I think you said seven, eight years ago. Um, I, I always like to say I have no business doing this, but I work very hard at it. And uh, it's uh, so far so good. I'll the, keep at it. The, the hard work shows it really does, and the, the the quality of production I I remember back then, and I'm thinking back. I think it is about eight years. It would be twenty four, maybe even nine years ago, twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Um, listen, when I first heard it on SoundCloud, and um, I can't remember. I think I I got in touch with you, or you got in touch with me on SoundCloud first of all, and we'd basically been speaking online ever since. Uh, and then in twenty twenty one. Um, I went to the States uh, with my lovely wife uh, for a belated honeymoon, sort of post-COVID honeymoon. Um, and we stopped off in Chicago and we met. Uh, I met you, Brian, for the first time. And it was, uh, you were just as lovely as I'd hoped you'd be, you know. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> yeah. So um, you've got a new album coming out uh, later on uh, in the fall, as you see. Uh, do you have a title for the new album yet? Do you know what it's going to be called? Yes, it's going to be titled "The Lonely Hour," and that is the opening track on the album. And it's kind of, um, kind of the the heart of the album, the centerpiece. It has elements of all the rest of the songs, but uh, it's the album has a lot of different looks. There's energy. There's there's a lot of quieter tracks. I'd say it leans a little bit more into more of my folk roots that were on some of the previous albums. Um, Tea Leaves had a lot of different types of. Uh, wide variety of tracks i'd say this one is a, a really focused album um solitary in parts um but uh, i think a joy to listen to front to back that's the you know, fingers crossed but uh, i'm really excited about it and, and especially uh, to go play it live and um yeah it's gonna i think it's gonna be a really exciting fall really fun fall i'm looking forward to sharing it with everybody so there you are, uh, coming out later on this year, uh, Brian McGath with his new album. Now, don't forget to check him out on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, my own personal favourite, I mentioned earlier on to Davis, is uh, um, St. James Asylum. 
It's a fantastic song if you've not heard it. But what we're going to do is we're actually going to play a snippet of a track uh, from title track from your last album, which is Tea Leaves. Halfway stuck up somewhere in between When looking for relief Read the signs surrounding me I don't think they mean a goddamn thing So that was Tea Leaves uh, from Brian McGrath. And as we see, already, already mentioned, uh, Lonely Hour is coming out later this year. So be sure to check that out on Spotify and Apple Music. Now, gentlemen, NFC North Deep Dive. We made it. We're all the way through to the NFC North Deep Dive. It only took us 40 minutes to get here. But here we are. So last year in the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings... Finished 13 and 4, the Detroit Lions 9 and 8, the Green Bay Packers 8 and 9, and unfortunately, Brian, your Chicago Bears finished with a 3 and 14 record. We are going to start with the Minnesota Vikings. As I mentioned, they were 13 and 4 in the season. They had a points differential of minus 3. I don't know how that works. But they did. They only lost four games, but they had a points differential of minus three. Some of the games they played were absolutely bizarre. Probably none more so, of course, than the um, Week 15 game against the Indianapolis Colts, where they were down by 30, what, 33 points? And engineered the greatest comeback of all time. It was insane, that game. Um, but we've already mentioned, the, you know, this year they've already released Dalvin Cook, they got rid of Adam Thielen, so they've lost some players. Um, Dave, I'll put it to you first. The Minnesota Vikings, what did you make of them last year? What are you expecting to see from them for this year? I mean, last year they were basically the opposite of the Raiders because the Raiders couldn't hold on to a lead and lost so many late, late, late game scores, whereas the Vikings had so, so many late game scores. And um, they actually, 11 of their 13 wins were one-score games, which shows that, yeah, I, I mean, over time, that, that's going to even out. And I, I think this upcoming season, that is going to even out because I, th- I don't think the Vikings are going to be anywhere near 13 wins this year. It's, it's just not going to happen. I don't think they've really improved. And, yeah, I mean... I mean Kirk Cousins is still consistent, as consistent as he ever was. I'm expecting Justin Jefferson to carry on, although I think because of the, th- like, like you're saying with Adam Thielen going, I think there'll be even more emphasis on Justin Jefferson, which is not going to be the best thing in the world. Um, because if they're expecting you to go to him constantly, you know, he's going to be double covered the majority of the time. And, um, that, you know, they've released Alvin Cook. Um, I can't. Um, is it Madison that was? Uh, he he's the number two uh, running back for the Vikings. Yeah, so he's from what I've seen, he's decent, but he's not Dalvin Cook, and I don't I don't think they've. I I, I just don't. They, they've not improved. They, they've, you know, Ke- Kevin O'Connell, who was he was the Rams OC um, when I, th- I yeah he was Rams OC when we won the Super Bowl. So 
he comes from that kind of he's because he's come from kind of Sean McVeigh's coaching staff. You can say he's just another peg on the Shanahan school of offense ladder. He's he's a run a, a kind of run first coach, but um, I'm not seeing the Vikings have a successful season, especially without a player of the caliber of Dalvin Cook at running back. I think they're really going to struggle uh, as well. Uh, Brian, I'll put it to you. The Vikings, um, do you see any way they can get anywhere close to winning that division again? I I have to echo what, what you were saying, David. I, there, there's going to have to be a regression back to the mean. Um, just just playing the odds, there's no way. Um, even if they are in those close games, it'll be at the same rate they won them last year. Um, uh, I, I think that... With the new hire of the uh, defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, I, I think I'm not sure that's going to have as big of an impact in the first year. I, I don't know if they have the bodies or the talent. I'd expect they uh, they do not finish atop the division this year coming up. Um, so yeah, I, I think they overachieved last year. I think a lot of a lot of the, uh, the the sort of cards fell their way. So yeah, I kind of echoed the same thing David said. Yeah, it's it, it's really not sustainable that type of play. Yeah relying on comebacks week after week after week playing like hot garbage for three quarters and then turning on you can do it for a stretch you can't do it for two years in a row i don't think they did i mean they didn't have the best defense last year obviously with the amount of points you know and the point differentials that they uh that they clearly had, even though they had 13 wins. But they've lost a couple big-time players as well. Eric Kendricks is no longer at the Vikings. Anthony Barr, no longer there. They haven't really taken the steps to replace like for like, the, you know, caliber for caliber um, in those kind of players. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see where their success is going to come. Obviously, Jefferson's a huge. He's one, one of the best wide receivers in the league, and... You know that that's that's going to continue. However, you can't you can't win it with just one guy unless you're Patrick Mahomes. That's that, that's it pretty much. So uh, moving on from the Minnesota Vikings, we then come to the Detroit Lions. They finished the season nine and eight. They had a points differential of twenty six, so they should have been better than the Vikings. Um, the Lions were a really fun team to watch last year from an impartial point of view. Um, they were able to move the ball well. The the young players they have at wide receiver were great. The running game was working. Everything seemed to be going their way, except early on they weren't winning games. And uh, there was a lot of close losses, but then they started to... They had a stretch there, I think it was against the... Um, in weeks five and week seven against the Patriots and the Cowboys, where they got outscored 53-6 to six over those two games. Then they started coming good again, but they were still losing. They lost a close one uh, to Miami. They, you know, they they won a close one with against Green Bay. They won an absolute sneaker against Chicago, thirty-one to thirty in that game. Um, but they started to look better towards the end of the season. It just wasn't enough for the for them to to go through. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs. They nearly came within one game of making the playoffs. I've got loads of hype for the. Lions this year, but they did trade away DeAndre Swift, and I think although they sort of have a more running back by committee thing at Detroit, I think it might affect them, and I think Jared Goff might regress slightly. I think he outplayed himself last year. 
Uh, Brian, we'll start with you this time. The Detroit Lions, what do you make of them this year? I'll tell you this. It's, I, to, to get my mind wrapped around the Lions being a solid a good team it's it's hard but um <laughs> not been a long time I, I, since I, anyone I, said that it's been a long time <laughs> so uh after i come out of that fog um they're a solid team um i tend to agree with you i think golf might have a slight um be slightly less good this year but i do think the team picks up another win maybe even two overall for the season they're solid i i, I think uh, it pains me but i think they likely finish atop the division um Kind of where I am with That's them. It. He stunned himself <laughs> into silence. Yeah. After seeing. They got, <laughs> the Lions finishing I mean, atop the division. What's happening to, here? To pinch myself. <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, Detroit Lions, it's all yours, mate. What do you reckon? I mean, the only thing that I think may hold them back is that there's this slight shadow of what's happened um, in the offseason with the gambling situations. Because you've got Jameson Williams, who's going to miss the first five, six weeks uh, with that suspension. Uh, you know, that's always going to be a disrupted offseason, which isn't going to be great for preparations. Um, the bookmakers actually have them as uh, favourites for, for, uh, to, win, to win it. And the, the over-under is nine and a half wins. So, um, yeah, it, it's also predicted to be the closest um, in the entire league uh, in terms of all four teams being involved in the fight. Uh, so I, I, the Lions have improved. I, don't, I, I think everyone is in general agreement, even though they've lost DeAndre Swift and they'll be without uh, Williams for a little while. Um, the other players that they did get in, uh, well, I mean, they've got Amon St. Brown, who I think was a bit of a revelation at wide receiver. So, um, I mean, they brought in Manuel Mosley. They brought in uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I think is... I'm still a very good player. They've lost Jeff Okuda though, which I don't know about. I don't know if that's a, a positive thing though, um, because I, I was really impressed with him, especially early in the season. Um, and you know, they they they've, I I love Dan Campbell. I am a massive Dan Campbell fan. Um, now our own kind of resident experts on, uh, particularly on the draft and on the college, Ewan McPhail is a Lions fan. So to torment him, I will never admit that I like the Lions. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's I, I like the Lions this year. They they may finally finally win the division. Although it would be the most Detroit thing in the world to get to the last week before the playoffs and lose and miss out uh, by kind of the points margin. You know, by to I, I, I'm not even going to say who to. But it's going to be one of the three because I think they will all be involved this year. I think the only team that may be not involved, I would say, is the Vikings. I think the Vikings could have a really bad season. Well, I, I think you're right in that. I think a team with nine or ten wins could win this division. Yeah. Um, not because they're bad teams, but it's just so close. It's so, and they're, you know, they're all playing each other twice. And I think they are all very close together. I think the Vikings will drop off, as I say. Uh, I think the Lions may improve, although I'll be honest, I actually completely forgot about those suspensions. So that might have a, a big effect on them. 
Um, and then we come to our next team uh, in the NFC North, which is, of course, the Green Bay Packers. He shall, who shall not be named is no longer there. We're already going to see enough of this guy next year. He's going to be on hard knocks and we're going to see him all year. They've got like 400 primetime games over in, in New York there. So we don't need to talk about Mr. Rogers. We do need to talk about the fact that the Green Bay Packers with him went eight and nine last year, had a points differential of minus one, really didn't look particularly good at all through the entire season. In fact, the, the the five losses that they had, uh, sorry, the seven losses that they had between uh, week five and week 12, there are only two wins in that entire span were both overtime wins, one against the Patriots, one against the Cowboys. Jordan Love comes in a quarterback. They've lost uh, Alan Lazard. They, I think they've cleaned out everyone, really, <laughs> because Rodgers took them all with him. I don't know if the Packers are going to be any good this year. I really don't trust Matt LeFleur. And I... I mean, if Jordan Love turns out to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, I'm going to be raging. Maybe even more than Brian. Uh, I, I just it I, can't I, happen. Oh, it can't. They've had three can't. Can't. decades, three in a row. Like I, I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> and in fact, prior to you know Favre turning up, they had a oh my word, they had John Makowski. Like leading the league oh, in, in passing and was a nineteen eighty nine or whatever. You know, it's not like they had rubbish play prior to far being there. So if Jordan Love turns out to be great, I'm going to be absolutely raging. Brian, I'll put it to you first because I know you will be as well. But the Green Bay Packers, um, I know we don't know what to expect from them this year because of the change at the quarterback position. Um, I think we can all expect a fall off, but do you think it'll be a huge fall off, or do you think they'll the the Subpar play of last year is more a sort of sign of things to come and it'll be pretty much the same this year. Or do you think they, they actually make a, a leap with some fresh blood? I'm going to be a, a total meathead and say it's going to be a dumpster fire up there in Green Bay. <laughs> um, I think that the question, I mean, the question is Jordan Love. It's a question of if uh, the caliber player uh, he is or the caliber player he could be by the end of the year. Um, I've got a feeling, uh, again, just playing the odds game, uh, I, as I said earlier, I don't want to live in a world where Green Bay has three Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks in a row. Uh, I, so for that alone, logic tells me he's not going to be an Aaron Rodgers or a Brett Favre. Um, I think there'll, of course, be some adjustment for the front half of the season, just getting them up to speed. I'm not sure Green Bay has the talent around them enough to shore that up in the meantime. I think they have a rough year. I think they have a rough year. I, I think I think all of us will have a better idea for the back half of the season what they have in, in Jordan Love. But um, no, I, 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 I they're going to finish at the bottom of the NFC North. It's it just has to be. I think you might be right there, David. Uh, what have you got for the Green Bay Packers? I know you said the Vikings might finish at the bottom, but what do you think of the Packers? I think they may surprise a few people. Um, I, I think. I mean, if Jordan Love's not ready by now, you know, it's uh, I, I, I lose faith in the entire um, backroom staff at Green Bay. 
But this year, I think the playoffs are going to be dairy-free because I don't think that the Cheeseheads are going to appear in the playoffs. And I think this for, for this year anyway, there's going to be uh, a lactose intolerant in the playoffs because there is not going to be any Cheeseheads. And I think Lambo is going to be very disappointed come uh, probably uh, post-January, basically, because there's, they're just not getting in this year. I, th- I think the, they brought in some good young players. But young players, unless you're a complete star, they take time to adjust from the college. The, the majority, 90, 95% take at least a year to adjust to the next level, which is the NFL. And it's not even just a, a one step up. It's a massive leap up from college. There's just no comparison whatsoever to the two. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to need a year to gel. I think, I, I mean, I don't, I, in this kind of context, I don't like using a cat, you know, the rebuild year. It is a rebuild year, but they're still trying to put it in place so that they can, they can fight for some sort of playoff contention. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it because the Packers have always had the dark night for so long that I just think Jordan Love, you know, uh, he's he's got to have a chance. This is his big moment. He's a he's now a starting quarterback in the league. Let's just hope that you know nothing bad happens to him. I feel bad like for a player like Trey Lance. You know he got his big moment, injury struck him down. I really hope nothing like that happens to Jordan Love. But at the same time, I think with or without Jordan Love, they're not going to be uh, successful this year. And I think they're going to finish third or fourth this year. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I I'm just I'm waiting to see what Jordan Love is. Um, the, obviously the similarities are so eerily similar to the Aaron Rodgers situation, sitting there three or four years behind a Hall of Fame quarterback and then turning out to be an even better quarterback and you think, oh my god, what's going on here uh, if, if that trend continues, I'm out I'm never watching the NFL again if this happens, <laughs> I'm telling you So <laughs> we were going to move on gentlemen, we come to the final team in the NFC North, deep dive it is the Chicago Bears last season, three and fourteen. Uh, with a, the points differential was horrendous. It was minus a hundred and thirty-seven. Most of that because the offense just could not score a lot of points. Um, now, don't get me wrong; scored more than the Broncos, so there you go. Um, but it it just it didn't go great for them. And I think we have to talk about Justin Fields because. Whilst the running game, as we already mentioned, the rushing game for the Bears was working incredibly well, the passing attack was absolutely horrendous. It was horrendous. I'm going to give you some numbers from the passing games. Uh, In week two, they had 48 pass yards. In week three, they had 82 pass yards. And you think uh, it gets better as the year goes on, but then by week 15... They had 91 pass yards. And as I've already mentioned, in a game against the Detroit Lions, they had 30 pass yards. That is, you cannot do that in the NFL and win. Rush yards, 281, 237, 243, 240, 252, 258, 200. They can run the ball in Chicago. What they can't do 
is passed. Now, the problem seems to lie. Everyone will always put it squarely on Justin Fields' shoulders. I get that. He did have a couple of times the receivers let him down. Um, they missed Terry Cohen for the entire season. And I think he's a valuable, vital part of, of that Chicago team, not just in the return game, but a great receiver out of the backfield and a great runner as well. They were missing him all year. I think they're going to get it better this year. I think. I'm waiting to see what happens because also last year, let's not forget, so last year in the preseason, they got rid of Alan Robinson, who was their best wide receiver. He went over to the Rams and then he shipped over to... Um, I've forgotten where he's gone now. It doesn't matter. Uh, but exactly. I, 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 I don't, know where, he, don't know where he's gone. But so you'd lost Alan Robinson and he was probably the, the best receiver on the team at the time. Brian, uh, now, before I go to you, Brian, I'll put it to Dave first because I know you'll want to talk about this, Brian. So Dave, I'll put it to you first. Chicago Bears, what did you make of them last year? What are you expecting from them this year? So when the Rams weren't playing uh, last year, quite often the Rams because they're in how did you uh, how did you bring the Rams listen, into this? How did listen you do this? this round. This. Listen where I'm going with this. Oh so, my word! <laughs> apologies, Brian. This happens a lot. When because of the Rams time zone, they, they're quite often they were the later games. Okay, and. Uh, I'd say close to, well, no, over 50% of the games I watched every week was either the Lions or the Bears because I love watching the Bears. I love watching Justin Fields. You know, it, I, I just, it was always entertainment. It was always un, un, unpredictable. There were so many unexpected things. But the thing that was expected was that Justin Fields was going to have a subpar performance. That was the only problem last year. However, he now has weapons. I mean, you, they, that trade for the first pick in the draft with the Panthers, they got so much for that. They got an amazing amount of capital for that first pick. DJ Moore, to me, is is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the entire league. Um, they still have Darnell Mooney, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they have Chase Claypool now. Um, and the tight end, I forget his name. Uh, Cole Komet. Uh, Cole Komet. Yeah. He pulled off some amazing catches last year. I, I I really enjoyed watching him. I mean, he had a good few touchdowns as well. And let's be honest, Justin Field doesn't throw that many touchdowns. So having a well, I, okay. So maybe there is one quarterback in the division in the league. That will say yes. Having a great tight end is really important. Um, you know, just obviously, there's the, the Chiefs have an amazing quarterback and tight end. But Justin Fields would say that he, um, his tight end was one of the most important people on the entire team. Their run game is second to none. I, I think we can safely say that they are right up there, top two, top three, easily in the entire league. Justin Fields throwing has been the problem, but I do think that the wide receivers last year really let him down. He could have got double the amount of yardage every single game. Um, there is one player of the Bears now that I'm really looking forward to seeing, and that's Tremaine Edmonds on defense. Yeah. He well, that, That's one of the sneakiest pickups of the entire season. He is a fantastic, fantastic player. 
Um, I, I rate him really highly. Some of his performances last year were incredible. How he's uh, gone to Chicago, I don't really know. Um, but you know, I'm still looking forward to seeing him. D- I, I think DJ Moore is also one of the best because he's a veteran. He's got young players around him. He's got. He's finally. He's going to be a number one wide receiver uh, along with uh, players around him like Chase Claypool, uh, Darnell Mooney as well. I think the Bears have finally got a team that will challenge for for the playoffs, and it's been a good few years since we've said that. Let's be honest. Uh, they still, it's still mesmerizing to me how their all-time leading passer is the absolute phenomenon of Jay Cutler. I, I love Jay I Cutler. Don't even, I don't understand that. I love Jay Cutler. I, it's a, just, no, don't. You can, no, Jay Cutler is, how can I put it? He's uh, the most loved and hated player in Chicago history as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you either love Jay Cutler or you hate Jay Cutler. There, there's just no middle ground whatsoever from Bears fans. That, that's, that's the impression I've got. But... I'm really looking forward to seeing the Bears and the Lions. I, I think anyway, go head to head and toe to toe at the top. And you know, if one wins the division and the other is what, like kind of one game out, I hope they get into the wild cards. But I'm really rooting for both teams this year. Um, obviously, Lions. I love Dan Campbell. Jared Goff. We don't have to talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Bears. I I love Justin Fields. I I think he's a unique quarterback. He he was unlucky with some of the things that happened in his throwing game last year. His turn of pace is exceptional. You've got players in the league like Lamar. They'll dance about, but Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts have power running, which and and they're fast. And you don't that that's a rare skill for the quarterbacks nowadays. So I'm looking forward to it, and I I have hope for Chicago. That's not words I've uttered probably in the last se- in the last decade. So, yeah, it's a good it's a good sign for the Chicago. Uh, it it is going to be good for the Bears. Uh, DJ Moore immediately becomes receiver number one for them. Yeah. He was by far and away the best receiver of Carolina, by far and away. It wasn't even close. I was yeah. shocked when they gave up DJ Moore for that pick. You're right with the the capital there. Um, I'm not convinced in Chase Claypool. Uh, because he, I mean, his rookie season was great, and then he's been he, he's been, I would say, above average, but not great. Uh, but mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be great because I think DJ Moore is great, and I think he's going to be one of the best receivers in the entire NFC. Um, Justin Fields just needs to be able to get the ball to him, and as I've already met, oh, sorry, yeah, no, I was I was just going to say I was so the three wide receivers I mentioned. I I would say expect them to alternate between uh, two being out wide and one in the slot because I think they will have DJ Moore in the slot every so often. I think they will have Chase Claypool in the slot every so often. And if you're looking for the deep ball, you watch out for Darnell Mooney going into that Mo- slot and just one little duke, boom, gone. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for this year for the Bears. And I and I think I know that they lost one of the running backs there, but I do think um, I believe. You might correct me, Brian, if Teddy Cohen is coming back for this year. Is he going to be fit for this year? I think they've really missed him. And on, on that note, give us your thoughts on the Chicago Bears last year and this year. And you can take all the time you want. I've got a lot to see. <laughs> um, I, I feel 
Well, let me actually start with this. Just a little Jake. I actually like Jake Cutler. Um, and Jay Cutler has had a bit of a second career here in Chicago on uh, ESPN radio, uh, the local radio show here. Uh, he comes on as a guest every so often. And uh, I, I walked past Jay Cutler once downtown Chicago. He was having a smoke outside the radio studio. So. Did, and he, he was did, just, did he miss you? Did he miss you? <laughs> because that would be the most Jay Cutler thing ever. Did he miss you? I, I, what have you got against Jay Cutler, Dave? What? I, I, just not a fan. I just... No, he was he, he same personality he had on the field. He couldn't care less. <laughs> but I always I always liked Jake. Cutler. I liked his, uh, you know those were some good years with the Bears despite the heartbreak. And uh, anywho, I digress. I will get back to it. Um, the Bears were uh, the record was atrocious last year, but I have to say front to back, I enjoyed every one of those games. It was a good year, and uh, it's a hopeful time here. I, I personally like Justin Fields a lot. I think he's shown a lot of signs. Uh, my fear with him was always uh, because he's so athletic that they rely too much on uh, him running at the expense of developing out the passing game. But I believe, to echo David's points, uh, with improved wide receiver core, big time, you get a true number one in DJ Moore. I agree with your point. He's a good point about uh, the Bears being able to show a lot of different looks now as well. Um, I, I, I don't love Chase Claypool, but I do believe he'll have more production this year. And getting Darnell Mooney back from injuries is big. Um, and I like Cole Komet. So I, I, I certainly think the offense will be, I don't want to say significantly improved, but I think it'll be a lot improved. And, more complete, uh, maybe. That would be a, a more I, 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 yeah. I would say more complete because they had gaps, and I think they filled those gaps. So, and then also on the line, um, oh, the names escape. Darnell Wright, who they drafted um, as a tackle, I think that'll help a little bit. Uh, so I feel good about where the offense is headed. I think it's a good year to, although I feel very confident with fields. It's a good year too to assess what do we have in this young man. And I, I think he's got it all. I'm excited to have such a good quarterback. Uh, it took a few years to get over not drafting Mahomes, uh, you know, and having Trubisky. Not that I, I like Trubisky, but that was rough. Um, I like Trubisky too. I do, but it yeah. just didn't probably for a variety of reasons didn't work here as yeah. well as he might've. And he um, did, he didn't choose that he got drafted. That wasn't his, you know, Everyone's you saying, oh, it's you know, unfair. Like it's very unfair. If if he'd been a third or fourth round pick, no one would have had any of these no. discussions about Mitch Trubisky. And it's unfair to be compared to Mahomes, who's just a generational talent. Yeah. And but um, defensive side of the ball, I uh, I, I do like the addition of Edmonds. Um, we need that sorely. Our defense is not very good. I don't see a ton of. I don't see the defense getting incredibly better this year. I think that'll be our weak side. And uh, But I do see the Bears picking up quite a few more wins. I think I was chatting with my brothers earlier to see where they have the Bears projected record-wise. And we all kind of – well, Tom, Ian, who you've met, first, he said first uh, 17-0. But <laughs> That's what I said about the Broncos. But, at, you know, right <laughs> at, at the moment, we're both right. Haven't lost the game yet. That's true. Uh, I, I see them. I, I think they'll probably end up around eight and nine. Um, 
excited to see. I think it's trending upward big time, and they might surprise us. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a few less wins or a few more wins. I, well, I'd be surprised if there are a few more wins, but feel good about where we are. And uh, praise Jesus, you know, who shall not be named is, is, is out of the division. Um, <laughs> that can't hurt. I, you know, I, I enjoyed every one of those matchups, but it can't hurt that he's gone. And, and if I swear to God, if, if Jordan Love turns out to be great. <laughs> No, yeah, I can't handle that. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. I saw a stat, and I, I I can't remember if it was when it was. I think over the past eight years, the Packers are sixteen and zero against the Bears. That's just horrendous. Like Aaron Rodgers, just ah, I mentioned his name. Sorry the dark that. night. That's what it is, or the dark one. We'll go for oh, that. It's one. Just horrendous. Here's my like. Here's my wild card about the Bears. Um, the only thing I, I wondered, you know, on draft day, I, I love trading down with the Panthers, getting DJ Moore and getting the picks. I'm worried about is if the Jalen Carter thing will come back to haunt us um, because we certainly needed him. And apparently the Bears staff sort of the assessment that he either didn't fit or something about him. Uh, I know there's some questions around the character issues, but there was also questions uh, covered locally that just said is, work ethic or his, his stamina when they sort of tried him out or checked him out. I don't know. I've got a feeling he's that might come back to haunt us. Other than that, I feel very good And where the team is. Wh- why not? Why not, I will say. Uh, right, so before we finish off our recap of the NFC North, I am going to get your predictions. So, um, Dave, would you like to just give us your predictions one, two, three, four, for the NFC North. You can give us records if you like. You don't have to. Well, I, like I said, I think the Lions will, are just going to nip it. Uh, and I think they're they're going to have 10 wins this year. So, um, they, you know, they're, they're going to be put kind of 10-7. I think that the Lion, uh, the sorry, the Bears are going to be 9-8. and eight. I have a feeling about the Vikings that they're going to unjustly get kind of a 9-8 and eight record as well, which uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I have a horrible feeling they're going to luck out on a few games. And I think the Packers are going to go 6-11 and 11 and bring up the rear. Yeah, I've, um, I've got exactly the same order as you. I've got the Lions uh, winning this on a 10-7. and seven. Uh, I've got the Bears coming in second with an eight and nine record. Um, I've got the Vikings at seven and ten, and I've got the um, Green Bay Packers also at seven and ten, uh, but losing out in points differential or tiebreaker to the Vikings there. Brian, do you have any uh, predictions for for the NFC North of the placings and records? If you've got it, uh, like you gentlemen, I have Detroit finishing on top. I have them at 10 and seven, uh, but I have the Vikings finishing second at uh, nine and eight. I got the bears following that at eight and nine. And then I have the Packers, the lowly Packers at five and 12. (laughs) (laughs) Quite right. Love it. There we go. So that wraps up our NFC North recap. So before we go on to random stats, gentlemen, Dave, you wanted to, you wanted to say something. What was it you wanted to mention to us? Now, I've seen something online uh, in the last day or two. Now, I, I, I've taken a lot of offence to this because 
It's something from Fox analyst Craig Carton. Now, he made a what I would describe as a horrifically wrong statement. And his statement was as follows. Daniel Jones is arguably the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. Now, if that's not a sackable offence, I don't know what is. Because Daniel Jones is not the best at anything. So how, how he's even in the same conversation as players like Lamar, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts. I mean, Kirk Cousins rivals some of uh, Daniel Jones' running. So, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand how someone that gets paid to give his opinion on the NFL, and, you know, it's experts, and I'm using massive inverted commas. I'll use my whole hands for these experts <laughs> kind of comments. But to say that Daniel Jones is arguably the best rushing quarterback in the NFL is delusional. What? Uh, uh, Why? Uh, so, help. Right. <laughs> help so first, first of all, first of all, Daniel Jones is the best at something. He's the best at fumbling the ball. We know this for a fact. <laughs> yes. He's hopeless. The only time I've ever seen Daniel Jones run in the open field, he tripped up by himself <laughs> on that sort of seventy-yard run that he had. It was right. last year, the year before. The turf, <laughs> the turf monster got him. It, like, it was like he was so shocked to be running. He was like, what am I doing? And he fell over. Daniel, if you're watching, no offense. I've, you know, I've said that about a hundred times to Daniel Jones. If you're listening to this, Daniel, no offense, but you're not the best in the end of it. That is, where, is, where does he work? Fox. Fox. I was wondering if it was maybe ESPN, because you know they've been laying everyone off. Uh, maybe it's because they've had oh, takes, like, takes like that. Oh my, what they've been laying everyone off. There's like 22 people. I've been laid mm-hmm. off from ESPN. Daniel. Uh, what? Well, I, I mean, in this country as well, the the ESPN here are loads of cutbacks. Yeah. So um, it's it's yeah. Daniel Jones. <laughs> I have three. I have. I have three theories on that. Go f- go for okay. it, Brian. Two What's are, your theories? Two, two are serious, and one is less serious. Uh, <laughs> the first is is it just again big markets, New York market. The second would be, is it the hot take that's kind of the unusual, let's say something that's a bit provocative, uh, take a different take than everyone else? I think it's rubbish, first of all. Um, And the third thing is Daniel Jones clearly has uh, some sort of incriminating photos on this journalist. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that might be it, because there's no... In what universe do you look at Daniel Jones and then look at... Any one of a half a dozen other quarterbacks and say he's a better runner than them. You already mentioned Justin Fields. He's, we know he's no better than Justin Fields. Lamar. Uh, Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes is a good scrambler. All these guys can run. There's evidence for it. Like, what did he say? What was the, the talking point? I, I mean, I th- I, I'm sure he probably ended that segment with... Coming to you live from Denver, Colorado, high up in the mountains. <laughs> I think that was probably where you know what what ended that segment because that is the only thing that he either that or you know he, he's he's tripped and had a fall straight into a kind of concrete wall. That that maybe that's he's just kind of seeing things because maybe. I I I don't I don't I, I, maybe he borrowed no. some of Aaron Rodgers' hallucinogens. I, I don't know. That's <laughs> You can't. That's not, Some that's strong not stuff. a take. 
he gets paid to talk about this. I mean, come on. Well, Aaron Rodgers spent uh, all that time in the dark and uh, Craig Craig Carton was watching the TV in the dark with it off while saying, yeah, that Daniel Jones is is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just, I I don't understand it, but that's just, it's something I picked up on and the outburst on Twitter was as predictable as, you know, Patrick Mahomes winning an an MVP. Uh They just, the, the laughing just oh, hysterical, pathetic. It's, but that—that's my campaign. Just to get get this man off the air because that, he just there's no place for foul language like that uttered on the television screens. <laughs> no, there is not. Uh, and on that bombshell, it's time for random stats. Random stats. Yeah. Random stats. So um, I'll start us off. My stat is very very quick. Won't take long at all. Um, now, last year, Nick Bosa won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, the year before that was T.J. Watt. Now, as we know, T.J. Watt um, plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But something happened when he won that. That's the eighth time a Pittsburgh Steeler has won Defensive Player of the Year. That's the most in the NFL. And they are as follows. 2021, T.J. Watt. Uh, in 2010, Troy Polamalu, safety. In 2008, James Harrison, the linebacker, he won Defensive Player of the Year. Then you go back to 1993, Rod Woodson uh, won it there. Uh, and then you've got to go all the way back to the 70s. And there's uh, a four out of five years, the um, Pittsburgh Steelers had the Defensive Player of the Year. No real surprise with the steel curtain, of course. 1976 was Jack Lambert. 1975 was Mel Blount. 1974 uh, was Joe Green. And then with a one-year gap, 1972 was Joe Green again. So they've been offering this award since 1971, Defensive Player of the Year. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have had eight people win Defensive Player of the Year. That is more than any other Team. Uh, individual, uh, three is the maximum. Aaron Donald uh, did it three years out of four in 2017, 2018, and 2020. JJ Watt did it three years out of four in 2012, 2014, and 2015. And of course, the great um, Lawrence Taylor did it three times in the 80s 81, 82, and 1986. And that is my random stat. I don't think I've ever heard you have, give such a quick random stat. I think this is—it's a new. Usually, you know, uh, that, usually that's a there's a tangent. Usually there's yeah. a tangent, but no, that was it. Short and sweet. Uh, defensive player of the year, and I'm um, just looking at who might be defensive player of the year this year. It, it's hard to look past Bosa again. He's he's that good, but I think Dave. And because I know you don't like the 49ers, but I know you do like your Rams. I think Aaron Donald might be. Uh, might be right up for it again this year. He he seemed to have a down year. I say a down year. By Aaron Donald's standards, it was a down year. <laughs> but not not for anyone else. But he, he might be coming good again. I don't think... Because uh, a lot of people say Micah Parsons is like the sort of pre-season favourite for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't see it. Uh, I, I just don't. I think, if anyone... Aaron Donald would be the one to sort of have a, a bounce back here uh, and uh, go for his fourth, which would be a record fourth Defensive Player of the Year award. Could be. 
I, I would say though, I, I think it depends on the players around them, mm-hmm. around Aaron does, Donald, of, of how effective. Because every single play last year, if he wasn't double covered, he was he, he was triple, triple covered. covered. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's just not fair. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do. Uh, he's he's he still managed to rack up uh, a good few sacks, even though he was every, you know every single play he he was kind of covered uh, overwhelmingly. So, well, he, he only played, so. yeah, he only played eleven games last year because he did he did have some time. He off did pick up, yeah, he was injured, um, yeah, and he, he was double and triple teamed on every single play, and yet he still made a Pro Bowl <laughs> and he had five sacks. So, um, I I think Aiden Donald's just on another level uh defensive line he's the best defensive interior defensive lineman i've i've ever seen yeah agree um dave or brian who wants to go next dave or brian well will, will i go first and then we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll round off we'll with round our guests. Yeah? So, dave what is well, your random stat well, sadly, on for the NFC North episode, we mentioned the New York Jets quite a lot um, for obvious reason. Uh, but uh, um, my random stat is concerning the New York Jets. But just to input it, you know, we've, we've already announced the Jets have, uh, they're going to be on hard knocks uh, this year. Um, there was a good warm-up act as they lost the last six games of last year. So that was a pretty hard-knocking season for the Jets and their fan base. Um, coming into this year but week 6 of this season the Jets will host the Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife now this will be the 13th time the Eagles and the Jets have faced off since the merger and the Jets have a magnificent record against the Eagles their record against the Eagles since the merger is 0-12 since the merger the Jets have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, just an added on part to that. Since 2009, however, the two teams have played 13 times in preseason. And the Jets have a 7-5 and 1 record in preseason against the Eagles, and in the regular season, they have an 0 and 12 record against the Philadelphia Eagles. So Eagles buttering them up in preseason because every time that they did play them in, since 2009 in preseason, they then went on and played them during the season and beat them during the season. So they buttered them up preseason and then hammered them and beat them when it mattered. And that is my random stat. The <laughs> Eagles have beaten every single game, have beaten the Jets in every single game since the merger. That's got to be the only. Surely that's got to be the only time that, that one team is completely undefeated against another team since America. It's got to be. Maybe there's like... Yeah. Well, there's Especially some double that, digits. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, because it's not like they only play each other once every 10 years or something like that. It's That's... My goodness. That's a, I, I mean, love I think that it, stat, they, Dave. I, I, think, I think they only play each other twice, maybe three times at the most in the 90s, but they played a lot more since uh, the kind of turn of the millennium and... The Eagles have just wiped the floor with them every single time. So, um, yeah, big shout out to Jets fans there. Just that we, we like to pile on the misery between the dark one and then the Eagles basically casting a shadow over over the Jets there. So, uh, fly Eagles fly right over the Jets. <laughs> God, it's the puns. Oh, my word. I'm on fire. Uh, just on like fire. the Jets were. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, <clears throat> Brian, you are our guest. 
why don't you finish us off uh, for this episode with your random stat? So a, a slight bit of backstory. Uh, so Chicago, uh, about an hour north of us is the Wisconsin border. Green Bay is about a good three and a half hours north. But there's a hard line of demarcation between Bears and Packers fans right at that state border. And uh, I was up there uh, about two weeks ago doing a songwriter night up in Madison, Wisconsin, about two hours from Chicago. And uh, friendliest crowd. Wisconsinites are lovely people. Uh, all the Illinois folks like to go up there and, and do a bit of vacationing outdoors on their lakes and all that. And they're, they're great folks, uh, beer drinkers, just great people. Had an awesome night with all these musicians. Towards the end of the night, we're all sitting having a drink and start talking football. Then it got kind of ugly. And this, this stat, this fact came up. We were chatting and it was talking about the Bears-Packers rivalry for the years. So here's my stat. has to do with that. I think it's perfect for... For this episode, um, the Bears and Packers played their first game in 1921. Overall, the record is, and the Packers have us at 105 wins to the Bears' 95 losses and six ties. So that's the first part of this. But the second part that's really telling and I think appropriate for this year, from the Favre and Rodgers era forward, got us 47 wins to our 15. That's insane. I'm not a defeatist. I, I, I hate the Packers, obviously, and I don't go into any game against the Packers and feel like we're going to lose because that's just not being a fan against, you know, against logic, of course. But it's been an atrocious 30, 30 years um, since Favre, you know, it was 92, I think he, start, he, he you know, was at, started on the Packers. Um, that's a horrendous stat. Part of that is great you know two great quarterbacks they've had and part of that is our own organizational problems you know putting together teams and having cohesive teams um but i you know what are we 10 wins shy of them right now from evening this out so that gives us five years anyway (laughs) just five maybe less i think we got them we're gonna leapfrog them it's gotta happen and uh it's uh it's crazy but uh, um, the other the other stat I almost went with had to do with um, you know we're in the midst of this uh, we, we might we're likely getting a new stadium in Chicago and uh, they're moving out of Soldier Field probably in a few years and they want to build out in the burbs. Uh, I love Soldier Fields. The remodel the they did in, uh, was around two thousand and one. From the inside, it's beautiful. Uh, it's not the nicest looking on the outside, but leave the lakefront I think is brutal. And a mistake, but they're sort of limited uh, with what they can do. But the anyway, it was sort of people love Soldier Field, but it was this idea that honestly, we were at Wrigley for almost the same amount of years. Wrigley Field with the Chicago Cubs play that was another stab. And I guess I the one I looked up is how many games has Wrigley hosted? And for a while, they held the record for most NFL games, but were overtaken by uh, the Giants or uh, the New York. The stadium is escaping me in New York, but largely because they were hosting. I think it was the. <sighs> It might have been... Uh, was it MetLife? Yeah, and it might have been in New Jersey. Oh, Giant Stadium at the Meadowlands. Yes. Meadowlands, Because yeah. they were technically hosting both teams, so they were running to kind of twice the rate. But uh, interesting little tidbit. Wrigley still does host football games here and there, by the way, college games. And it's... Uh, it's tight. 
but it's pretty cool. That's my fact. That's my fact and a half. It's a great stat, Brian. That that record against the Packers is horrendous, though. Uh, I I, I can go. I can go one step further, though. Jay Cutler's record against the Packers was two and eleven. <laughs> oh, stop it! His quarterback rate, his quarterback rating over the t- over that period was sixty eight point nine. Oh, oh, good grief! <laughs> I knew. Enough of the Jay Cutler bashing, okay? Um, uh, I like Jay Cutler. Jay was a gunslinger. You, you live and die by by the gunslinger. Yeah, well, he he averaged two interceptions a game against the Packers. So, um, yeah, to make of that what you will, but uh, two two and eleven. Is it something personal you've got against Jay Cutler, or you know, is there is there a reason for this hatred you have? Do you know? I don't know. I'm sure something happened when he was playing. I just thought, oh, what a beep, you kind of thing. But. Uh, I, I don't know what, maybe, maybe... You know you can tell a, a, a good quarterback is by a fan's reaction when he gets traded. Because I'll tell you this, see when the Broncos traded <laughs> Jay Cutler for Kyle Orton, I could not believe it. I liked Kyle Orton, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Josh McDaniels just doing doing the dirty to the Broncos said uh, That was... They didn't get along. Was that it? Him and Cutler kind of butted heads, right? That was all, and then and then he traded Brandon Marshall. He ripped apart that offense. Oh, never forgive him for that. Yeah, anyway, uh, on that bombshell, gentlemen, we're going to have to wrap up the show there. So, uh, before we go, Brian, I understand you've got a live stream coming up. You're doing this quite regularly on Instagram. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, just a lot. Uh, just doing a live stream tomorrow. Just right on Instagram uh, from uh, from my my home. Yeah, it should be fun. Just do a few originals, and a few new songs, and yeah, just have a chat with everybody. It's been a while. So there, yeah, that's uh, Brian McGrath. You can catch him on a live stream. Um, I think he does that. You do that quite regularly on Instagram. But we're going to leave it there, gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much, Dave and Brian, for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone listening. Don't forget you can catch us on Twitter. Um, You can catch myself, Dave, Jake, everyone's on Twitter these days. And uh, we will see you on next week's edition of The WinFL Show.